This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Hi, I'm David Teplitz. Today I am a non-speaking autistic, very apraxic, almost 25-year-old who attends the University of California at Berkeley. I have friends of 3.8 GPA have traveled the world and have the brightest future possible for a non-speaking autistic person. But 23 years ago, my parents were given a very different picture for my future. After I regressed and lost my speech at age 2, they were given several different diagnoses by very highly regarded medical professionals. These very bleak diagnoses included severe mental retardation as it was called back then and childhood disintegrative disorder. Lucky for me, my parents saw a spark in my eyes that convinced them not to listen to the so-called experts. They were determined to help find a way for me to live the best life possible. They started me in a home-based ABA program which at the time was considered the gold standard in treating autism. The problem is that many non-speaking autistics like myself suffer from severe apraxia. ABA therapy is primarily based on imitation. Just how does one imitate and it drills when apraxia prevents initiation? I spent many a frustrating hour attempting to answer questions and performing skills that I intellectually knew how to do but my uncooperative body would not allow. For years I worked with speech therapists who tried to get me to speak but I could not make my mouth produce the sounds they requested. Sadly, most people who cannot speak are assumed to be intellectually disabled. When I learned to type at age 5, My entire life changed for the better as I finally had a way to express my thoughts, feelings and intellect. It was really the breakthrough that I so desperately desired. My wonderful ABA therapist, Sabrina, and my speech therapist, Christy, devised a way for me to learn how to type to communicate. I never realized that this was unusual and that other non-speaking autistics were not given this opportunity until much later. I was included in our local elementary school starting in kindergarten until 8th grade. I spent part of my day at school and part of the day at home with my tutors. My treasonous body made it difficult for me to spend the entire day in a classroom, but I easily followed the same curriculum as other kids my age. My mom was my favorite advocate because she believed I was more than capable of learning like everyone else. It's a great feeling to know you have someone on your side. Understanding abilities is far more important than disabilities, especially in the world of autism. My parents understood that rather than focus on everything that I couldn't do, like pesky life skills, we should focus on everything that I could do. I am so appreciative of the fact that I have always lived a life that was as inclusive as possible. I attended my local high school and was able to spend the entire day there. I was part of an Asperger's inclusion program, even though I do not have Asperger's. I finished high school and received my diploma with the rest of my class. This surprised some of my pessimistic teachers who thought non-speaking autistics had to have intellectual disabilities. One thing I do enjoy about having autism is proving cynical people wrong. I was always determined to go to college and the only college I wanted to attend was the University of California, Berkeley. Why not dream big? Once again, my parents helped make this possible. I stubbornly only applied to UC Berkeley, no other universities, and along with Hari, I am the only non-speaking autistic to ever be admitted. I wasn't surprised, but everyone else certainly was. I have enjoyed the last three years at Berkeley. The classes are interesting, but the greatest thing about Cal has been being so accepted by the community. Unlike other schools, 
I have never had my intellectual abilities questioned. No one has questioned my right to be in the same classrooms that have taught many Nobel laureates. Also, Berkeley being Berkeley, when unusual autistic behaviors take over, as they sometimes do, no one even notices. Believe me. I have enjoyed my time at Berkeley academically very much, but have enjoyed the social experience even more. Every day I get to spend time on a beautiful campus and attend events like football and basketball games. As well as interesting cultural events like the Holy Festival and War Class Croquet. And while I didn't join a fraternity like my dad, I, for the first time, have a fellow typer as a classmate. Having a friend like Hari living close by has been fun, and we often exchange notes on how to survive the wonderful maze that is Berkeley. We even share an aide. It has been great to have a friend that understands what it feels like to live in my treasonous body. I have helped to break down societal barriers that were put in place because non-speaking autistics are expected to fail. By not failing and by succeeding in doing something, getting accepted to UC Berkeley and having a 3.8 GPA there that most typical people cannot do, I am showing the neurotypical population what non-speaking autistics are capable of doing. I must admit that I love the surprised look on people's faces when I tell them that I go to Cal. I'm passionate about wanting to change the stigmas attached to people with autism in hopes that one day all non-speaking autistics who desire to, can graduate from high school with their diplomas. I am paving the way for autistics to go to college and, hopefully, into the workforce. The professors and students who interact with me will have a better understanding of how we can succeed in a college and work environment. I hope to be a liaison that works to create inclusion programs specifically tailored for students with autism. I don't want you to think that my life has only been one big academic adventure. I have tried to make the other parts of my life inclusive as well. This is not always easy when painfully slow typing and a body that does not cooperate hamper you. I have traveled to many countries and I love to hike and swim. I have also been part of a group of typers, which includes Hari and Tyler, who have met monthly for the last 13 years called the Loud Talking Fingers. It has been wonderful to be able to get to know other people like me and to know that the number of typers and spellers is growing. I have also been fortunate to have a loving family that can support my endeavors. Other non-speaking autistics are not so lucky and I want to help create a world where the future is more equal for all of us. Income inequality, unfortunately, also dictates the outcomes for people with autism. Most families would not be able to provide the extra therapies, aids, devices, etc. that my family could provide. Our society should value non-speaking autistics and provide them with the tools they need to have a better life. Unlike some people with milder forms of autism, I am not against medical interventions. Why would anyone want to be hindered by a body that does not cooperate and not be able to speak? Or suffer from anxiety, seizures, sensory disorders and OCD? Aren't medical treatments about making life easier for everyone? I would much prefer a life where I did not require having an aide with me at all times. Can you imagine going out on a date with an aide beside you? My terribly slow typing makes it difficult to have conversations. Even the most patient of people simply do not have the time to sit and watch me type out a response. I would welcome any safe treatment that could help make my future easier. Today, I consider apraxia and non-speaking autism to be my primary diagnoses. I will not allow apraxia or autism to force me to live a life of inaction. I will continue to educate myself and demonstrate to others 
Both those with apraxia and autism, and those who know someone with apraxia and autism, that a bright future is possible. Thank you for listening to me. I dream of being an advocate for other non-speaking individuals and this presentation today has been another step in my journey. I hope it has been insightful. David, I, I noticed on your slide where you had your life goals mapped out and you've been checking off each one. You had teaching other people about autism as a goal for 2025. And I am so glad that we don't have to wait that long to learn from you. Thank you. Next, we're going to hear from Hari, who is also at Cal Berkeley. It's one of the first uh, Cal Berkeley students, and I have had the honor of uh, being a guest teacher in the course on autism that Hari teaches at Cal Berkeley. Uh, it is a very popular course. The, uh, the, uh, the enrollment has been growing, so they've had to increase the size of the room that they use. And so our leaders and teachers are really paving the way for a, a lot of innovation in the field. Get ready. <laughs> we, uh, let's, let's do the next video, please. Everyone deserves to wake up to a productive and meaningful life. The experiences of a minimally speaking autistic is used to demonstrate the potential of this marginalized population comprising almost 30% of the autistic population. Some takeaways for professionals towards reimagining the possibilities for this population from the viewpoint of a growth mindset. Learning Objectives A growth mindset and reimagining possibilities I will be covering this in more detail in a bit. My name is Avi Sinivasan. I'm a student at UC Berkeley, major in psychology, and minor in disability studies. I'm type to communicate. I have many autism-related challenges and comorbidities that make many things in my daily life and at university that much more difficult for me. I am still trying to figure out ways to work around them. I am minimally speaking and slowly type to communicate. My challenges list includes oral motor apraxia, poor body schema or body mapping, poor body coordination. Sensory dysregulation means a lot of STEM behaviors, poor fine motor skills and motor memory affects handwriting and self-help skills. Add on OCD, ADHD, impulse control, anxiety and mood regulation issues. So many challenges, but so what? Result of reimagining is that I'm one of the first two non-speaking autistics at UC Berkeley. This should be the norm and not the exception. The experience of college is quite something. Where else are you gonna do stuff like march in a protest? My fellow type of communicator David and I are on relatable paths at UC Berkeley though our majors are different. My journey. My elementary education was dismal at best. I was tossed between special education classrooms as I was the behavior kid. I had no communication ability. I was bored, frustrated, depressed which meant more behaviors. My communication breakthrough came when I was taught to type late in middle school. The power of communication does not automatically click at first, especially if you have not had access to it for so long, like me. There is reluctance to entering potential unknowns. You may need an emotionally powerful incident to make the connection that communication is worth the motor coordination effort required of an uncooperative and impulsive body. In my case it happened early on when I was agitated and no one could figure out what to do or what was going on. I somehow managed to type out the word ear. An immediate visit to the doctor and antibiotics took care of the pain from the severe ear infection I had. That one instance made me realize that being able to communicate could help with problem solving. The result of reimagining was access to, to mainstream education via a charter school. In high school I graduated as valedictorian. Along the way, 
got to do a couple of internships and win a bunch of writing awards including a Scholastic National Gold Medal at Carnegie Hall and was published by them. It's accommodations like these that enable education. Some examples are listed. The Berkeley experience has been pretty amazing. Intellectually stimulating classes with amazing professors. Social opportunities, group projects, student events, student parties, Cal Athletics and events. This is my third semester as student co-instructor for a semester-long course on autism. Senior staff reporter for the Daily Cal. Research assistant at various labs Sichi Honor Society. Golden Key Honor Society and more. Some observations on the adult trajectory for many autistics I see around me. Many are headed to day programs after the post-secondary programs. Some seem to manage, others struggle, especially those deemed as having behaviors. Day programs are not equipped to handle challenges of autism. Some of my adult peers are back at home all day, as day programs are reluctant to take them or don't know what to do with them. Many of these day programs seem to be placeholders, almost like out of sight and out of mind for society. I wonder where is the chance at a meaningful life. It is a worrying scenario. In my developmental psychopathology class at UC Berkeley, we learned about manifestations of depression. I seem to observe that in some adults around me. Acting out behaviors due to frustration. Apathy which could well could be mistaken for super compliant or the very easily manageable adults. Suicide ideation. As professor of psychology at UC Berkeley, Steve Henshaw said in class, there is a lot at stake. I worry about headlines like these. Reimagining the possible. A growth mindset. I will next cover each of these points. Communication is critical survival skill. No communication means maladaptive behaviors. Communication equals coping skills. Access to help. Communication equals resolution of frustrations. Communication aids self-determination, seat at table and decision making. Communication includes thoughts and feelings, goes beyond 100 basic wants. It's about quality of life. I spoke earlier about the importance of communication, and how I needed to make that emotional connection to motivate me that it was even worth the tremendous effort required of my body. Stuff like oral motor apraxia, body mapping and other movement issues affect not just talking, but also motor movements and motor initiation. Kind of like there is static in the connections between the brain and body. Per body schema means the brain has a harder time trying to get a representation of various parts of the body in space. The result is the feeling of a trying to function in a disconnected body. Navigating a body you can't quite control is like driving a car with a loose steering wheel. Though your mind knows where you want to go, you are never sure yet where the car will actually go. Our output systems don't always function efficiently. But that does not mean we don't understand. A kind of input-output issue. Current tests don't seem to reflect the capabilities of non-speaking individuals properly. My medium long-term hope is that medical research and technology will come to our aid. Something that will make getting out the thoughts in our heads easier. Artificial intelligence, neural link. There is already technology being developed to help coma patients. Why not a non-invasive neural technology solution via a wearable cap for instance? In the meantime, we have to help that person get their thoughts out via alternative augmentative communication with the presumption of competence. Prompt failing is already part of all kinds of therapy. Severe oral motor apraxia issues, movement issues etc. may just mean a significantly longer time frame for prompt fading. And a lot of patients. Rather than think of us as developmentally delayed across the board, I like to call it developmentally all over the place. We may be delayed in some areas and ahead in others at different times in our lives. As Einstein says not everything that counts can be counted and not everything that's counted truly counts. Autism is a spectrum, which means our brains are wired differently. So not all will neatly into the handful of existing evidence-based solutions for autism. We have to be open to trying different approaches. Like Edison, if one method does not work, try another. Neuroplasticity of the human brain continues to adulthood. Learning does not end at the early intervention window. We are never too old to learn and progress. If something takes longer, so what? I will keep working on improving my typing speed with two fingers and then with all ten fingers. I hope to get to a basic level of conversational talking too in the next decade. The right to dignity and inclusion in human society belongs to everyone including the non-speakers. We already live with a disability that is overwhelming for us. 
We are often subject to people talking about us in front of us as though we are an unfeeling block of wood. Belongingness and inclusion has two viewpoints. Neurotypicals need exposure to us from early age so that they are inclusive of us as adults. Only then will they be our future allies and open opportunities for us. If we are kept away, they learn to stigmatize us further. Autistics too need the exposure to learn to survive in society and develop a sense of belonging to the community. We especially need active interaction and small group interaction. Takeaways for educators, service providers, support staff. Push for augmentative alternative communication strategies that goes beyond wants. Communication helps in long-term self-determination. Use age-appropriate materials and activities. Assume competence. Accommodations to enable education and inclusion. Some takeaways for healthcare professionals. Not everything is due to autism. Not every maladaptive behavior can be attributed to communication or compliance. Run other tests and checks. Currently many autistics end up at ER in crisis state. In 2018, I ended up hospitalized with sepsis as my infection was not treated by either urgent care or emergency as they were reluctant to do a simple blood test to verify. We may have comorbidities which need research as they significantly decrease our quality of life. For my mood regulation I would like a holistic solution rather than masking it with drugs which themselves will have long-term effects on my health. For a long-term quality of life we need a standard of health care at mainstream hospitals, starting with nutrition, lifestyle, physical health needs, mental health needs, aging needs. Accommodations and modifications need to be made to the environment and procedures to make health care accessible. Also need to encourage and respect communication by the individual. There is more to say, but I will leave that for another day. Takeaways for case managers, regional centers, agencies there is significant care burnout. Individuals and families going from crisis to crisis trying to manage everything on own. Guidance with coordinated planning support for the individual over many aspects of life. Right now it's very piecemeal. Include a longer term view. What will life be like at age 50, 80? What does person get to wake up to each day? Professionals. You are game changers. You have enormous training, expertise, and knowledge. This is a population with significant support needs. Only if you have access to a voice for self-determination. Your effort, your passion, and your attitude can make a huge difference in our future path. From our point of view, we need you to help us through this journey. We depend on you to view us with a growth mindset. The road ahead is far from clear for me. But my present is better than my past and I can only hope the same for my future. I dare dream that I can make the path that much easier for those who follow behind me. I want to leave you with this poem of mine. Neurotransmitters flow in this autism mind. Can the quest for knowledge ever end? Never, answers the mind. Reimagine the possible. Emotions and the sensory body are sinkholes en route. Mind urges. Take detours, challenge the sinkholes, we must persevere. Have to travel possibilities, open opportunities, and pave new roads. The quest for meaningful life can never end. Quest for meaningful life can never end. Hari, thank you so much for making the connection between communication and healthcare and that beautiful story about how your need for medical care was the motivation to overcome the barriers to learn how to communicate. Uh, communication is the foundation of patient care and, and we cannot figure out what's going on with our patients without getting the history directly from them. So thank you for that lesson, especially for this group. Next, we're going to hear from Tyler, who is uh, a very important leader, um, who shows us that a, non, a non-speaking uh, autistic person can lead a support group of other non-speaking autistic people uh, that has persevered for 13 years. How many of us have kept groups going for 13 years? How many of us can say that? Um, all right. Uh, the update in developmental disability conference is on on year 13. So uh, 
is it? Nineteen. Nineteen. All right. So, um, so this group is sticking together. His group is sticking together, and I'm looking forward to hearing from Tyler. My name is Tyler. Kellen Reza. I'm 34 years old. I am happy to be here with you today. The topic at hand and especially important to me. Anyone who has a communication empowerment, I have autism. And with rare except exceptions, I have never, never been able to produce functional speech even as a child. I have vocal tics when I am sure you will hear during this presentation. For the record, my tics drive me crazy. I hope you not find them too distracting. I intervene by putting my finger up to my lips and taking a few deep breaths until the urge passes. 34 years old, I think one of the most important things teachers, doctors, and other professionals can do when confronted by someone with a communication impairment is to assume con competence when one, one has limited output. That does not mean uh, there is limited understanding. I was lucky enough, 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 lucky enough at the young age of six, young age of six, to be introduced to facilitated communication, also called supported typing. Therefore, I got a regular education with accommodations and completed high school with a lot of practice, practice, practice. I learned to read aloud what I type, whether you realize it or not. Producing speech is actually a rather complicated combination of motor movements, including breath control. I am not able to automatically get my lips, tongue, 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 and mouth in the correct position and at the same time organize my thoughts and formulate my message. Typing to communicate has some other real disadvantages. It's not just what you say, it's how you say it. When one speaks, other people interpret the voice, voice in addition to listening to the words. Others pay attention to the timing and pace. How loud, loud, how loud you speak your tone, your inflection, and the words you emphasize. 
This adds meaning to your message. Think about how someone's tone of voice, for example, can indicate sarcasm, anger, affection, or confidence. My voice, voice, V, my voice does to have these features, and I usually lack facial expressions that can add meaning. Kaylin reads, Kaylin reads, most people have experienced a breakdown or misunderstanding when only text is used to communicate. I love being able to speak my own, my own words. But you can see that my voice does not help me get my message across. Since high school, I have taken a number of college classes and on for ultimately I plan, plan to earn a bachelor's degree and get a job related to social justice. I am not able, able to manage a full load as my typing is slow, but so far I have a 3.8 grade point average for my convert course work. I am trusting, I am trusting that slow and steady can win the race. Win the race. Typing is ridiculously slow with one finger. Motorically easier than speech. I all have or I always have a lot to say, but it can be very challenging to get people to slow down and include me. You, you speaking people rattle off words at a speed I cannot even begin to match. This is one of the many reasons formed the support group called Loud Talking Fingers. Over a decade ago, a group of us typers meet, meet, meet once a month, once a month to share experiences and support each other at our own pace. I now live in my own apartment with 24-hour support staff provided, provided by supporting living agency. You might think that I have the perfect setup to take control of my life, but you would be wrong because I need to be able to communicate to do that serving as my communication partner takes time and practice while individuals on the autism spectrum have areas of common concern and distress. Autism expresses itself very differently in every individual on the spectrum. One thing that people on the autism spectrum share is, is that they experience sensory input 
very differently than neurotypical. People do, people on the autism spectrum notice things you're normal and normally would not and can't and can't ignore things you normally can. This means I am often bombarded with sensory information which you either don't register or you filter out without thinking. See sensory irregularities. Kellen reads, reads, can insult in people, places, and events in of innocently. Insulting a person like me who have such sensitive systems and processing irregularities that can produce stress in that moment as well as anxiety about where and when the next assault they come may come. I have a low level of anxiety almost all the time. Sometimes I lose the sensation of a relationship or position of my body, body, of my body parts to each other to imagine what that might be like. Think, think of trying to walk Walk, trying to walk when your foot foot has fallen asleep before, before, before the pins and needles and that body part is just numb. That happens to me a lot, a lot. In the worst cases, I not only lose the sensation of my own body, but I also lose my sense of where I am in space. I feel like an astronaut floating in outer space and lost in time. As I type or point at the <laughs> Partner pulls back on my arm as I move towards my target. Target, target. This resistance helps me feel my arm and know where I am in space. Usually, without this external feedback. Cannot hit my intended intended target. The more, the more, more and more often I am now typing or pointing, probably with increased independence. I can type and on any kind of device. If somebody point to letters written on a sheet of paper, typing means I can choose the exact words I need to express my thoughts. My My communication partner needs more skill to support my typing. So I always, so I also use an app called TouchChat. I have a picture, picture of my homepage in my handout. I have programmed the buttons, buttons with commonly needed words and phrases 
It is easier for me and easier for my staff to support me as I touch one button rather than typing a whole sentence. The buttons with a little arrow in the right hand corner indicate that button takes you to a new screen with new buttons. I have dozens and dozens of screens. Buttons are a quick way for me to express my needs and desires. They are, are a tool I can use to communicate with new staff right away. Right away, believe me, turn staff turnover is serious problem. For anyone who needs caregivers, it is in indescribably frustrating, frustrating to have your ability to communicate be di dictated by the skill of your partner. Let me show you what I mean. Here is a movie of a conversation. I had one of my most skilled partners, Carolyn. So Tyler, I heard that yesterday you went out to the park and had your lunch there. Yes. That sounds like it might have been fun. I loved it. What was the best part? Outdoors makes me feel peaceful. Me too. I love to be outdoors. Yeah, outdoors. saw some squirrels? What were they doing? I don't, don't, I don't want to waste the next seven miles, seven minutes. As you watch me type so, I will just tell you that I went on to say we saw some squirrels that were playing and wanting some lunch too. I think, think, think. They wanted my lunch. The kiss of the sun on my face made me feel like all right, all is right with the world. I think I gave her a pretty good sense of my experience. Now here is another clip in in which I am only using the buttons. All right, so now do you want to see what that is like if we only use buttons? 
Okay. Yeah. All right. Clear it out. So, I heard that yesterday you went and had lunch at the park. Lunch at the park? That sounds pretty nice. What was your favorite part? Have a bunch to respond to that. Was the weather pretty nice? Yes. That always makes it more fun. Was that what inspired you to go out? Yes. That makes sense. Did you see any animals while you were in the park? In the park. Yes. Did that bother you or did you like it? I wonder. I wonder too. That's why I asked. Did you see any birds when you were out? Yes. Did you see any deer? No. Did you see any squirrels? Yes. Are buttons better than nothing at all, though? Thanks for asking. I guess. Better than having no words at all, right? Yes. How are you feeling right now? Now, now, here's another, again, to save time, I am not showing the whole exchange, but you can see because I don't have the buttons, buttons. I need to get on a full conversation. It begins to feel, feel R. More like an interrogation than a conversation. And I was not really able to share my experience. Sadly, this happens with new partners even when I'm able to type. Take a look. Okay, Ted, so yesterday when we went to the park to have lunch, what was your favorite part? To be outdoors. Was it nice to be around other people? Yes. Was the weather good also? Yes. I bet having... So was it enjoyable being able to have your lunch on the benches? Yes. See how quickly she did goes to the most limited. Yes, no questions. Not only is communication is a fundamental human right. It is the vehicle by which all other rights are exercised. Communication as at the heart of your heart is at the heart of who we are as human beings. Without communication, I am at the mercy of the often misguided Benevolence, benevolence of others with communication, the possibilities are endless, and the world is my oyster. Thank you.
Thank you, Tyler, for showing us the importance of literacy um, and, uh, and having access to a full 26 uh, letter keyboard um, as opposed to stopping at AAC um, and for uh, and for pointing out that uh, that supported living is possible for people who have complex needs and that uh, communication is critical for self-determination. Um, without communication there is no self-determination so uh, again, it needs to be an, an early priority, to, and uh, even if people haven't mastered the motor skills uh, to type or, or to communicate, we still need to be teaching them and uh, teaching literacy. Um, now we have an opportunity for Q&A. Hi, my name is John, I'm a pediatrician, and I appreciate all of you participating and, and teaching us. But So I had one question. And, and anybody can answer. Um, so when did you get the opportunity to learn to read? And do you think that was given to you early or way late? And how was it to learn to read? Literacy. My, I better read it. It's got not taught. Watch a lot of Sesame Street, but I would say I taught myself to read it. Read before, before going to school. I'm sorry, Harry had a response. It's just a question of longer time frame. Practice and patience. My name is Elizabeth. Hi, Carolyn. It's been years. Um, I just wanted to say, even most of you guys are not verbal, but you guys are speaking, and you guys don't need to have verbal communication to say this what you want and have your life the way you want it is people who who can professionals who need to listen to you with open ears and open minds and attitudes to know that you have a hell of a lot to say and you guys are my, my biggest champions. I really thank you guys for coming to the conference. Thank you. Thank you. And, and I think that answers some of the questions about whether AAC leads to more more forms of communication, including reading and speaking. Um, I, I think that's a, this has been a really good demonstration of that. Do we have time for another? We're, we're we, done? We, okay. we really don't have time for, for more questions, but okay. um, I think this was an incredibly powerful Thanks session, up. and I want to thank our panelists. Thank you so much. Thank you for, um, for taking us into, uh, into some of your world, for sharing uh, not only the challenges, but your great accomplishments. And I think the title of this, Reimagining the Possible, was truly right on. So thank you again so very much. We really appreciated Super. it. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.